brothers and sisters in Christ, may God's peace be with you all. It is my joy and privilege that I can worship God with you all and bring God's word to us tonight. May we all be renewed by the truth of God and continue to love Him and serve Him. Please open your Bible, hear God's word. Psalm 131. Psalm 131. This is God's word. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a winged child with its mother. Like a winged child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are so desperately in need of your teaching from your Holy Bible, without which we will constantly go astray and be self-centered. When we open your Bible, we ask for your help, for your inspiration, and for your guidance that we would understand your truth and that we would also be able to live it out. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. It is hard to imagine that Jesus' disciples followed him for nearly three years, eating, living, and working together to spread the God's gospel. They witnessed Jesus' mighty works and miracles firsthand and listened to him teach the word of God every day. They had the world's best spiritual mentor who was full of grace, truth, and love, and who exemplified humility and meekness. However, they still failed to learn the lesson of humility and constantly sought to assert their own importance, arguing among themselves about who was the greatest. Peter might have said, of course, it, it is me. I am the spokesperson of the Foreign Affairs Ministry. Every time there is an important speech, I am the first to give it. I was also the first to declare the great truth that Jesus is the Christ. You guys are no match for me. John might have responded, What are you talking about? The one whom Jesus loved the most is obviously me. That's what my name John means. The one whom the Lord loves me. So no doubt, I'm the greatest. James might have argued, you both are nothing compared to me. 
My mother, Salome, is Jesus' aunt, and she often provides for Jesus and all of our needs with her wealth. Without me, you would not be well fed. I'm second to none. Other disciples might also engage in their heated debates. What I just said is only from my imagination. But their argument about who was the greatest is true. If the disciples had such problems, how much more do we? The root cause of these problems is our lack of humility, which often leads us to exalt ourselves and desire greatness. Psalm 131 teaches us to have a humble heart, like a winged child resting in the arms of the Lord. Psalm 131 is one of the shortest of the 150 psalms, consisting of only three verses. Although its content seems very simple, it teaches one of the most difficult lessons. The great preacher Spurgeon says that it is a short letter, yet one that rises to a great height. Let us examine it in detail and discern what God wants to teach us through it. Firstly, David makes a declaration to God that he will not succumb to the bondage of pride. Verse 1 says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. David is known as a man after God's own heart, or a seeker of God's heart. Except for the instance where he committed adultery and murder, he demonstrated outstanding character throughout various phases of his life. Humility is one of the most important traits of a man who is after God's own heart. And David learned this valuable lesson throughout his years of serving God. In Hebrew poetry, parallelism is frequently used to express an important concept. In this instance, it is stated that my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high, where my heart corresponds to my eyes and not lifted up corresponds to not raised too high. Both of these are used to express the same idea, which is that David is not arrogant or haughty. Why does David want to emphasize this? Because he knows that the lesson of humility is incredibly difficult for humans to learn. The key characteristics of arrogance and haughtiness can be found in the term high 
in the original text. Arrogance and haughtiness refer to someone placing themselves in a lofty position, looking down on others with disdain or scorn, and displaying a contempt attitude. Originally, only God is the highest. As Psalm ninety-seven nine states, "For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods." However, people often desire to stand in God's place, to be equal with Him, and to receive the same honor as Him. This is due to the pride. Inheritance in human beings. You may wonder where does this human pride come from. The book of Isaiah describes Satan's fall in symbolic terms, using the metaphor of a bright morning star falling from the sky. In Isaiah fourteen twelve fourteen, God says. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn! How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low! You said in your heart, "I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will make myself like the Most High." Satan was originally a bright star. A shining angel, and his name was Lucifer. But because of his pride, he wanted to be equal to God, and make himself like the Most High. Then in Isaiah fourteen fifteen, God said to him, "But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit." In other words, the Bible tells us that. Satan fell and became a devil because of his pride. Likewise, when the devil tempted the first humans, Adam and Eve, to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they too fell because of their pride. They wanted to be like God, knowing good and evil, so that they ate the forbidden fruit. And were expelled from the Garden of Eden, separated from God. Therefore, as Adam's descendants, none of us can escape the sin of pride. We are all subject to falling into the trap of thinking too highly of ourselves and considering ourselves. Better than others. If you say you can escape the sin of pride, you have already committed it by making that claim. Pride produces other negative behaviors as well. For example, when someone is proud. They are usually unable to listen to different opinions. They may become angry, frustrated, or resentful when things don't go as they expected. 
When someone is proud, they always want to be better than others. They may use different methods to belittle others and raise themselves up. When someone is proud, they always want to be the center of attention and show off their abilities. They may feel jealous when someone else is more capable, successful, or receives more praise than them. This is why there are so many conflict, strife, and relationship issues in families, societies, companies, or even in churches, largely due to the sin of pride. If we don't address this sin in our lives, we will inevitably suffer from its consequences. As stated in James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Additionally, Proverbs 16, 18 warns us that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I remember when I first became a Christian, I participated in a church sports event. I partnered with my friends for a two-person, three-leg race. Six teams were lined up at the starting point, and we looked at the other teams thinking we had a great chance to win since most of them were girls. <laughs> when the race started, my partner and I took it easy and cruised along. However, one team of two girls began speeding up, pulling ahead of us. We tried harder and harder, and we could not keep up. We didn't want to lose to the girls' team, so we became so desperate to try to win the race. Unfortunately, we got our stride rhythm wrong, we stumbled, and we fell to the ground heavily, injuring my arms in this process. This experience taught me a variable lesson. Pride goes before destruction and a healthy spirit before a fall. David certainly understood the danger of pride, perhaps through the painful experience of his adultery with Bathsheba. He might have thought that his kingdom was flourishing, which caused him to let his spiritual guard down, leading to his temptation and his fall. However, David learned a variable lesson from this experience and carried it with him for the rest of his life. Therefore, he makes a strong resolution to God saying, Lord, my heart is not proud and my eyes are not haughty. Let us take heed of David's example and be vigilant against the pitfalls of pride. It is a sin that 
can lead to a fall, sometimes a heavy fall. And we must guard ourselves against it at all times. In the, seconds of, in the second half of the first verse, David also said, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. This means that a humble person has a correct understanding of themselves and their abilities. They know their limits and won't attempt things that are beyond their capacity or responsibility. David is a great example of this, as he never believed he deserved to be king of Israel, even after he was crowned. In his prayer in 2 Samuel 7, 17-18, he prayed that, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And he continued to express his unworthiness and amazement at the blessings he had received from God. David's humility also meant that he did not take on responsibilities or tasks outside of his appointed role. He patiently waited for God's timing and direction. Why is, is this being said? The book of Samuel tells us that Saul, the first king of Israel, was rejected by God because of some serious mistakes he made. God sent the prophet Samuel to Jesse's house to choose David as the second king of Israel. Although God had promised David the throne, he had to endure 10 years of being hunted and persecuted by Saul before he was officially anointed as king. During this time, David faced many dangers, hardships, difficulties, and was almost killed several times. If you were in David's shoes, how would you treat Saul? Most of us would seek revenge and respond with an eye for an eye. But David was different. He had two opportunities to kill Saul, but chose not to. One time in a cave, Saul went to the bathroom and David could have killed him. But he did not. The other time Saul and his soldiers were sleeping in their camp and David could have killed him, but he did not. Why? It was because David still regarded Saul as his lord and king. He said, The Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed he is the anointed of the Lord. David's example of this teaches us to be humble and faithful and to focus on fulfilling our responsibilities instead of seeking personal gain. 
He also demonstrates the importance of respecting authority, even when it's difficult. Despite Saul's mistreatment of him, David remained loyal and continued to serve. Brothers and sisters, God has arranged different authorities in our lives at different times, and requires us to obey them. For example, countries have leaders, companies have bosses and managers, children have parents, marriages have husbands, and churches have pastors and elders. As Romans thirteen one two Paul says. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. As one of the pastors in Donville Church. I am accountable to Gerald, our senior pastors, and the entire section of our church. I must obey the authority given to me. I must also follow all of the Australian laws. Otherwise, I'm resisting against God, and ultimately, I'm the one who will suffer. However. Having said that, while we obey these authorities, we should not obey any authority that goes against the Bible. For example, if a husband is being violent towards his wife, the wife does not have to obey him. If the boss asks his employees to cheat, they do not have to follow. If a pastor or elder preaches false gospel, the congregation should not follow their teachings and should amend the situation. If a country prevents us from sharing the gospel, we don't have to obey them. I know when we encounter any of these situations, it can be very challenging. And we need to ask God to give us wisdom and strength to deal with them, knowing when to speak up, when to step back, when to seek help, and when to persevere. In any case, may we have a humble spirit, like David's, and trust in God's guidance, so that we can navigate challenges. With courage, and grace, and wisdom. In the first verse, David makes resolution not to go down to the negative aspects of human's heart, declaring that he is not arrogant, prideful, or ambitious in ways that go beyond his abilities or responsibilities. In the second verse, he talks about the positive aspects of his heart. He says that he has calmed and quieted his soul, 
like a weaned child with its mother. What is a weaned child like? In ancient times, babies were breastfed for their first few years of life, and there was no formula available. The weaning process was difficult for both the mother and child, and the child had become accustomed to the breast milk and would cry and fuss until they receive it. But as the child grew older, solid food became necessary for their development, and they had to learn to let go of their dependence on breastfeeding and trust their mother to provide what they needed. Therefore, a weaned child is obedient. He can stay calm and patient, waiting for the solid food that his mother will provide for him. Although he is not used to this food, and it's not what he expects, he learns to completely rely on his mother, knowing that everything she gives him. Is beneficial. Here, David says, he has calmed and quieted his soul, like a weaned child, with its mother. And he repeats, like a weaned child, is my soul within him. A humble person is like a weaned child. He doesn't fight. He doesn't demand attention. He doesn't make a scene. He has a deeper reliance on God, and he stays calm and patient in God's embrace, waiting for His timing. Brothers, brothers and sisters, friends, in your current situation, in your current life, are you like? A weaned child, or you are like a nursing child, who is a contrary to a weaned child, who only thinks of his own needs, who cries and throws a tantrum whenever he needs something, and who won't stop until he gets what he wants. How do you respond? When you are having a disagreement with someone, instead of immediately responding with anger or frustration, a wind child-like response will be to take a step back, calm down, and try to understand the other person's perspective. You will listen actively and respond thoughtfully. You will not make assumptions or jump to conclusions. You will trust that God is in control, even if it is not exactly what you had hoped for. This type of humble and patient response can help to de-escalate the situation and lead to a more positive outcomes for all involved. I know it takes great strength and courage to be humble 
and patient, especially in difficult times. However, a humble person recognizes that God's plan for their life is perfect and they trust that everything will work out for their good in the end. This is exactly what David urges us to do in the last verse of the psalm. He says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. David calls on Israel, who are God's chosen people, including all of us who believe in the Lord, to always look up to and hope in the Lord now and forever. Human help is limited. And even close friends may turn away when we need them the most. Similarly, money cannot be relied upon as it can quickly disappear. Additionally, we cannot even rely on ourselves as we all have weaknesses, failures, and times where we make poor decisions. It is only God who is completely reliable as He is our everlasting rock, our Heavenly Father, and our Savior and Redeemer. Therefore, a humble person does not rely on themselves, their wealth, or any other worldly things. Instead, a humble person always sets their eyes on God and puts their hope in Him. As modern Christians, we know that 2,000 years ago, the eternal Word became flesh and died on the cross for our sins, redeeming us. He was raised from the dead, giving us a living hope, which ensured us an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance in heaven. Brothers and sisters, with such hope, we can receive the strength to live an obedient and humble life on earth. With such hope, we can experience true peace in our lives, regardless of the situation we find ourselves in. Check if you are having a true peace in your mind. If not, you are likely placing your hope in the wrong object. Where do you place your hope? To whom do you put your trust? By hoping and trusting in Jesus, we can not only lead a meaningful and peaceful life on earth, but also have an eternal life from this time forth and forevermore. Isn't that wonderful news? Remember at the beginning of the sermon when I mentioned the arguments between the disciples about who was the greatest? In Matthew 18, we see another instance where the disciples were concerned about their status and asked 
who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This is how Jesus responded. He called a child and placed him among them, saying, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles themselves like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Psalm 131 and these teachings of Jesus convey the same message that only by becoming like little children can we receive the blessings of God. If we humble ourselves like little children, we will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This truth is one of many paradoxes in the teachings of the Bible. Let us be reminded to always humble ourselves like little children, like a winged child, seeking to rid ourselves of pride and arrogance. Let us be reminded of the importance of trusting in Jesus and finding our peace in Him. So let us go forth from this place with a renewed sense of humility and trust in the Lord Jesus, knowing that He is always with us, that He is the ultimate example for us to follow, and in Him we can find the peace and strength to continue to serve Him and others with a humble spirit. Let me pray with you using this psalm. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a wind child with its mother, like a wind child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Amen.